Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu, wa nasta'inuhu, wa nasta'gfiruhu, wa nu'minu bihi, wa natawakalu alayhi. Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina, wa min sayyati a'malina, ma yahdihillahu falamudilla lah, ma yudlilhu falahadiya lah, wa nashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa nashhadu anna muhammadan abuduhu wa rasuluh. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallama tasliman kathiran kathira. Amma ba'd. فنعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فقال الله تعالى في القرآن الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اصبروا والصابروا ورابطوا واتقوا الله لعلكم تفلحون صدق الله وليغفين My beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah, we thank Allah we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah, and thus we say, Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu. We praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Him. Wanasta'inuhu. We seek His help. Wanastaghfiruhu. We seek His forgiveness. Wanu'minu bihi. Wanatawakalu alayh. We believe in Him and we trust and rely upon Him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And you and I know that whomever Allah guides, none can misguide, and whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. And we bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and many more, and, and many more, kathiran kathira. So, I ask you again the same question that I ask every single time, and that is for you and I to take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves what is changing. Those of us who remember my khutbahs from the last week or the week before that, a point that I made is I want each and every one of us to make some goals that we want to accomplish by December. Goals about our academics, goals about our spiritual condition, goals about our character, something that you will improve upon and that when we get to December you can say yes I have improved upon this whether it is how we use our tongue in, in the case of bad language or how we use our tongue in speaking about other people backbiting or the quality or the quantity of our prayers the quality and the quantity of our fasts outside of the fast of Ramadan something to improve upon by the time we get to December. And then academically, uh, a point that I made is don't settle for A minus, you should shoot for A plus, not just in your overall grade, but in all of your assignments. Well, of course, you'd need that to get an A plus. The point I'm making is overall, our journey, our attempt is toward what we call itqan or ihsan, the idea being excellence. That if you have excellence in your character that is stronger da'wah than a whole bunch of speeches by the most charismatic speaker. If you are excellent in your disposition, in your politeness with people, that will have far better reper repercussions than anything you could possibly say. But if you say negative things, no one will notice anything about your character. Right? And you and I know this, that I might have an obligation to you, and I might fail in my obligation, and fail again, and fail again, but if I'm polite, then you might still forgive me. But I might succeed in my obligation to you, but if I'm rude to you, you're not going to forget it. Right? And so, be very conscious of how you use your tongue, and give yourself a goal to accomplish by the time we get to December. And what am I asking today? 
Compare what you've done since last week. Have I made any changes since last week? And if the answer is no, then I should assume that next week it'll be the same answer, which means three weeks from now it'll be the same answer. And so what is the deeper point I'm making there? There's a teaching attributed to Rumi where he says that the human self is like a wild animal you're trying to domesticate. And what is the point here? That you have to take control of yourself, of your nafs, if you want any change to happen. It's not going to happen organically. It's not going to happen by osmosis. I have to take control of myself. I have to take control of my nafs. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. And rather, it'll become more and more uh, lackadaisical because there's nothing stopping me, especially in college life if I'm an undergrad. What is there stopping me from behaving whatever way I want? Except maybe my concern about my grades or whenever it is, maybe my parents are checking upon me, which gives me a whole bunch of free time in between. So what is the point, my beloved brothers and sisters? Take control of yourself. And this applies, of course, to the most common question that I get from the MSA. The most common question every year, okay, more than, how do I get married? Okay, more than gins. More than, what are the prophecies about the end of time? And that is, of course, a question of gender interaction, right? And I'm not making a comment about the halakha last night. That's a different issue. But what I am saying is that men, their clothing is not your responsibility, but your responsibility is to control your eyes, okay? Likewise, for the sisters, your responsibility is to control your eyes. And it's so fascinating how when I get questions about hijab over and over again, 80% of the time, they come from brothers. As though you guys cannot control yourselves when a sister walks by. As though you guys lose your minds when a sister walks by. And that's just avoiding, it's avoiding responsibility. That's what I'm saying, my beloved brothers and sisters. You have to take control of your nafs. I have to take control of mine. And there's a very simple example of the young man who was with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. According to some narrations, it was his temporarily adopted son Zayd, who he saw a woman walking by, and there was something attractive about her, and what did the Prophet, peace be upon him, do? Did he tell the woman, go walk faster away? No. He took Zayd's face and turned it away. Okay? This is a point to think about, my beloved brothers and sisters, because otherwise, what are you doing? You're reducing your sister to nothing more than a sex object, nothing more than a piece of meat. Okay? And if that's what you want to marry, you're not going to have a very happy marriage. Okay? Anyways, having said all that, a point that I have to make at the beginning of every year, at the end of every year, at the middle of every year, is a reminder of the type of tests that you and I face. Okay? Because we say over and over again what, that Islam is a test, that life is a test. When you're hit with something, it's a test. But we don't ever talk about how to pass the test. Okay? We only say that it is a test. And for many of you who are upperclassmen, this is, a, this is a repeat of a khutbah that you've heard from me over and over again, but it's one of those things that's an important reminder. That in life, you will have four tests. Every single moment of your life, even the fact that you're sitting here, is one of those tests. And the first of those tests, of course, is obedience. Obedience to Allah Ta'ala. Now, there's something I have to say here. We have a mistake in our community disposition about behavior. We have a mistake that we think that if something is more strict, it is more Islamic. That is dead wrong. That if something is more strict, it doesn't make it more Islamic. Okay? Because you might be taking something halal and be making it haram. That is haram to do. See what I'm saying? That if there's something we're allowed to do and you block people from doing it, you are doing something wrong. And so on the flip side, 
There are those, not as many in an MSA crowd, who try to remove all the rules. Okay. And what is the challenge? The challenge is to find what is that space in the middle where you are acting upon what is farth, you are staying away from what is haram, and everything else is a little bit different. And we often misquote this hadith that we find in the Nawawi collection, where, where we are told that the, the halal is bayin, is clear, the haram is clear, and in between you have the gray area, and stay away from the gray area. If you only quote that part of the hadith, it sounds like if you're not sure about something, you should stay away from it. That's not what the hadith is saying, because if you look at the rest of the hadith, it talks about two more things. It says that every king has a sanctuary, and the sanctuary of Allah is the haram things. And what is the caution? The caution is don't delve into things that might be haram. Meaning, don't make something haram if you don't know it is. Okay? But don't start getting curious about them because you will fall through. Right? And then, the biggest part of the hadith, that everyone has this morsel within them that if it is upright, the whole body is upright, and if it's not, if it is corrupt, the whole body is corrupt, and all of you know that that is your heart. And what are we saying? If you put all of these points together, okay, what is haram? Try to take it as haram and ask Allah, make it hard for you to do make it repulsive for you to do. But keep in mind, the list of haram is very small. What is fard, obligatory? Ask Allah to make it easy for you. Ask Allah Ta'ala to make it appealing for you. And that list is also very small. We have all of these things in between that might be makruh, might be disliked at various levels of makruh, super disliked or not so much disliked, and we have things that are permissible uh, by, by unanimous decision. But the point I'm making is one of the tests is obedience, and to do that, first stop this idea that if it's more strict, it's more Islamic. Wrong. Now keep this point in mind also, that it is much harder to find what is that space in the middle, what is that appropriate behavior. Okay. It takes a lot of effort. And a lot of those, I don't have answers for you when you come to me asking for answers. Okay. It's easy to say, don't do it, but that could be wrong. It's easy to say, do it, but that could also be wrong. Okay. But the point I'm making, the first type of test is obedience, and so look at what you need to fulfill. And of all of the farth matters, my suggestion to you, the one to try your best at is your salah. Okay. That is the one you should try the most at, your namaz. Try to make all of your prayers. And if that is your goal to reach by the end of the semester, let's say you're someone who only comes to Jummah, and alhamdulillah that you came to Jummah, figure out another prayer that you can make on a regular basis. Okay? Or if you're someone who makes all five, including all the sunnahs, all the nafils, but you don't do tahajjud, tahajjud is really easy right now because you just get up a little bit before five o'clock in the morning, then make that your goal. But the point is, every one of us in this room, including myself, has a space to improve upon in terms of our fard, and the fard that I'm asking you to work on is your salah. Okay, of course, when I'm speaking of these other salahs, they are, uh, they are not of fard quality, but I'm saying if you can get stronger and stronger in your salah, you will become more and more stable in your day. You will become more and more stable in your emotions. You will become more and more stable in terms of how you organize your day. You want to reach the point that you organize your day around your salah eventually. But what I'm saying is figure out whatever level you're at and figure out what to improve upon. And then the haram, once again, the main thing that I'd like you to focus on of all of those two things, of all of those things that are haram, short list, in fact, there are two things. Number one, all of you guys who smoke weed and, do, and, and drink booze, uh, that's pathetic. 
I get it, but it's kind of ridiculous, right? That in 2016, if you need to smoke weed, okay, if you need to drink alcohol, that is reflecting some very serious unmet need inside of you, okay? That maybe you feel better this way by being with these people. And if that is your issue, then come and talk to me about it. I'm not gonna tell you you're pathetic for doing so, but I will tell you you're pathetic if you start acting high and mighty about your piety and you still do the stuff on the side. But the bigger thing for each and every one of us, again, is control your backbiting. Okay. Control your backbiting. I could do a thousand works of service for you, but if I said something, if you found out that I backbited about you, you're not gonna care about all that service. Okay. That's how powerful the tongue is. We have this saying, loose lips sink ships. Okay. That it is so easy to ruin everything with your tongue. This is why when you look at the presidential candidates, one is actually getting popularity for saying every single most uh, inappropriate thing and thus offending the whole country and the whole world. But the point is that take control of your tongue. And if you can't control your tongue, you can't control anything else of your body. How easy is it to control your tongue? Okay. The first type of test is obedience. The second and third types of test, number one, is difficulty. Okay. And think about this. Every one of us can give us an example of a difficulty that you face in your life. Okay. Some of us might have had something that collectively we'd regard as really huge, like a loved one has died. A father, a mother, a grandparent, or even a sibling. And, and it looks like you're all too young for a child, but I've had students in the past who have lost children. And I can't imagine anything more difficult than that. And also on that note, think about how many of the children the Prophet ﷺ lost in the course of his lifetime. Okay. All of them except for Fatima. Okay. But what am I saying? Each and every one of us gets tested. How do you pass the test? You can never have a bad opinion of Allah. That's number one. Okay. That when you're being hit with a test, you know it's a test because you're being hit in a place of your life where you don't want to be hit. When you're a parent, you're going to be hit with your children. Okay. Uh, when you're younger, you might be hit with what your parents are doing, but you might be hit with a different aspect of your life. But the point is, you have to always keep a good opinion of Allah. What Allah is doing for you. I'll tell you a story. It's, I mean, it's, it's more of a legend. I don't know if there's any authenticity to the story. About these ducks who are talking to Musa, alayhi salam. Okay? And they're in the desert. So I don't even know how the ducks got into the desert. But they're in the desert. And the ducks are saying to Musa, alayhi salam, can you pray to Allah Ta'ala to give us rain? Okay? And Musa, alayhi salam, makes the prayer, the ducks come back to him, and they ask him, okay, what did Allah Ta'ala say? And Musa salam, said, I made this prayer, he's reported to have said, I've made this prayer, and Allah Ta'ala said no. And the ducks responded with, Allahu Akbar, Alhamdulillah, Allah is most great, whatever Allah decides is best for us. And then it started raining. And then Musa salam, in his communication with Allah Ta'ala asks, Okay, I made this prayer, and you said no, and now it's raining. And then the response reported is that he was then told that the answer was no, but when I saw that the ducks were happy with whatever I gave them, I gave them more of what is wonderful. Okay. So think about this, my beloved brothers and sisters. When you are hit with a test, the first thing you have to keep reminding yourself about is that you should never have a negative opinion of Allah. 
Why is this happening to me? Why does this always happen to me? Why does this happen to everyone else? No. Force yourself sometimes. If it's a big test, it's very hard, and you almost have to say it out loud to yourself that Allah is taking care of me, and he will continue to take care of me. And the second part of passing the test of difficulty is that you persevere through without breaking any rules. Okay? You persevere through without cheating. You persevere through without saying anything wrong, without lying, etc. And if you do, because sometimes we fall short, then as quick as you can, fix it, seek forgiveness. Okay? So that's the second type of test. The first one, obedience. The second one is difficulty. Okay? And it's a promise that Allah Ta'ala will hit us with difficulty, and I'm sure every one of you has a list of things that you've been uh, hit with, but it's also a promise that you will never be hit with anything you can't handle. Okay? So even if you have this massive test in front of you, and you think, how am I going to get through this? This is so horrible. Still give yourself conviction that Allah Ta'ala, that he gave it to you, you can handle it. And now let us take a moment and ask Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. So once again, for those who are joining us late, I'm just giving this reminder of this khutbah that I give every, every couple of weeks, which is a reminder of the different types of tests we have. But what is the greater point? Not so you have a list in your mind. These are the type of tests that take place in my mind. But to help you navigate what happens in your life. To help you deal with what happens in your life. And every moment, including the fact that you're sitting here, is a test. And the third type of test is the test of ease, the test of ease, the test of comfort. Now think about this. Some of you have all kinds of things on your mind at this moment. Maybe it's related to your academics. Maybe it's related to your family. Maybe it's related to something else that's happening in your world, and it's weighing down upon you. Yet in this moment, you're being hit with comfort by the fact that you're sitting in this nice atmosphere, this nice room, okay, with nice carpeting, mashallah. Okay. And the point is, you might get hit with two tests at the same time. One is struggle that's on your mind, and yet at the same time, you're being hit with comfort. Now, what is the important part about comfort? Okay. It is very easy when you get hit with a test of struggle to forget that you've been hit with comfort. Okay. It's very easy to forget how many wondrous things Allah Ta'ala puts in your life, how many wonderful things Allah Ta'ala puts in your life. And this is something we have to keep reminding ourselves about. So how do I pass that test? One, I have to seek out what are the blessings Allah Ta'ala gave me. If it's something as commonplace as my eyes or my consciousness, or something larger, like I put all this effort into this class and then I got a good grade. Okay? Or something even larger, like I had this sickness or my loved one had this sickness and all the odds were against it and they pulled through. Okay? Seek out the blessings, the gifts that Allah Ta'ala has put in your life, and then express gratitude. At the very minimum, alhamdulillah. Right? Every time you eat a meal, whether it's a wonderful divan meal, or it's ramen noodles, or whatever it is, alhamdulillah. Okay, that Allah Ta'ala has given you a meal. Guys, to make it easy, we have the pornography that we have on Facebook. I don't mean pornography in terms of skin, I mean pornography of violence. All of these photos of kids who are suffering, all of these photos of towns that have been destroyed, all of these photos of injustices that are taking place. And you should pay attention to them. But you should also take that moment to remember how much good Allah Ta'ala has given you. Because if you don't do that, then those same photos will destroy you. Okay. 
because you're going to think, where do I start? Look at how many problems there are in the world. Look at how many problems there are just on campus. You will wear yourself down. So what do you do to pass the test of gratitude? Seek out the gratitude in your life and be grateful for it. To really make this point, if you look at every successful person in America, whether we're talking about business or whether we're talking about academics or what other, other aspects of career, you'll find a few things. One is usually those people are the hardest working people in their crowd. Okay. You know, like when you're growing up, especially as Desi, I don't know how it is for the Arabs and other brothers and sisters in this room, everyone cares about whether or not you're smart or not, right? Okay, no one cares about how smart you are. Everyone cares about how hard you work. Okay? That's one thing you'll find out about the people who are most successful. They work harder than everybody else. But what else? Those people who are at the top, they also did have lucky breaks in their life. Sometimes a lucky break is the family that you were born into. Okay? Think about this. If you were not born into the family you were born into, would you be here? Or if you were born into a different family, would you even be in college? Think about how much that affects your, your, your life, what family you're born into, what social economic class you're born into, what race, what ethnicity you're born into, and what religion you're born into. So what I'm saying is that the people who are at the top, you'll often find they are the hardest working people, but they also did have lucky breaks. Sometimes those lucky breaks are because of privilege based on gender, based on race, based on religion but there's still lucky breaks, or sometimes the right opportunity landed in your lap at the right time. So the third test is the test of luxury, of comfort, and how do you pass that test? With gratitude. And we're even told in the Quran that for every difficulty Allah Ta'ala gives you, you're gonna get at least how commentators interpret it, you're gonna have at least two eases for every difficulty that you're ever hit with. Okay? Unless, of course, it's the difficulty that's gonna take your life, like a disease that's terminal. And the fourth test, once again, number one, obedience, number two, difficulty, number three, ease. And the fourth test is when you have to make a difficult decision in life. Okay. And you'll see this as you get older and older that the challenges become more and more difficult. Where you have to choose between three options and they're all bad. But you still have to make a choice. You have to choose between hurting these people hurting those people, hurting those people, but someone is gonna get hurt, and you still have to choose. You don't have the, 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 the privilege of running away. Okay? And this is especially true the more you are involved with community, because community is very complicated. I'll even say, I've worked in all types of different communities, all types of different households, and as much dysfunction as we have in our Muslim households, it's still way less than just about every other community you, can, you come across in America. Okay? And we have a lot of dysfunction, and Allah Ta'ala may Allah Ta'ala reward us for our efforts, for, for, for getting through and fixing them, but you'd be surprised how much worse you find for those people who are outside. Okay? But the point I'm making is that sometimes in your life you have to make difficult decisions, and sometimes you pray istikhara for those decisions, and sometimes you feel like your istikhara isn't getting answered, and you still have to make a choice and you make the best choice that you can, and sometimes your choice is gonna be wrong. Sometimes your choice is gonna cause a disaster. But what do you do? Inshallah, you do what you can to fix it, seek forgiveness, what have you. I can give you 100,000 mistakes I've made in the course of my life. I can give you a bunch of mistakes I've made in the past few weeks that were big, big mistakes. And then you have to own up when you've done something wrong. Okay. But always have comfort that if you do it to serve Allah with the best of your abilities, inshallah, you'll get rewarded for your efforts. 
So once again, the first key point, my beloved brothers and sisters, is take control of yourself. Take control of your nafs. Make it so that when you come back next Friday for Jummah, you can say, on this one thing I have improved, even if it seems microscopically small. But the point is you have to take control of yourself, otherwise society takes control of you, and you're on autopilot. And a year goes by, and five years go by, and a decade goes by. And then of those, remember that through the course of your life, you're always being hit with tests. Meaning what? Always be conscious that Allah Ta'ala is paying attention to you. Always be conscious that your moment right now is your interaction with Allah Ta'ala. And then how is he communicating with you of the many ways? Either by giving you an obligation to do it, either by giving you some difficulty, either by giving you uh, some ease, or either by making you make a difficult choice. But what are all four of those? Those are all four doors that Allah Ta'ala has given you to get closer to him. That's the ultimate goal. You want to be able to enter paradise with a clean heart, al-salim, a clean, pure heart. And this is how it happens. So now, let me remind us of what Allah Ta'ala tells us about the person who has the cleanest of all hearts, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu Sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli ala Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim Allahumma salli ala Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim Allahumma salli ala Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim O Allah, we call upon you with all of your names to shower your blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and upon his family and upon his companions and extend the blessings and peace upon them. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina nar. Our Lord, our cherisher, our sustainer, grant us the best of this life and the best of the hereafter and protect us from the fire. O oh Allah, O oh turner of hearts, please turn our hearts to your obedience and make our foothold firm. And if we have any rancor against any of our brothers and sisters, guide us to wash it out of our hearts. And if any of our brothers and sisters have rancor against us, wash that out, Ya Allah. And for all of the Muslims who are suffering throughout the world, Ya Allah, please give them respite and please open doors for us to give them respite. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Aqeem as-salah.